Welcome to Sports and Songs, Season 2, Episode Number 11. We are your co-hosts, Dan and Andy, here on Sports and Songs Podcast. Today is February 6th, 2021. How are you doing this chilly evening, Andy? I am fine, thank you. And yourself? Good. Uh, we're hitting a cold streak here in western Carver County, of course. And, uh, but we'll be inside watching the Super Bowl tomorrow. Bucks against the Chiefs. And Bucks once again playing at home as the visiting team in the Super Bowl starting at 5.20 p.m. tomorrow night. Should we start off with up to, uh, updates on that? Uh, pro football, or do you have anything else? Let's uh, – trivia question? We'll hit that first, and we'll hit Super Bowl stuff. Let's do the trivia question. I have it centered around the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week. The trivia question is the Tampa Bay Bucks were an expansion team that started in 1976. They're currently in the NFC South. But for the first year they were in existence, they were in a different conference uh, and division. What was that conference and division? Remember, this is back in 1976 now, so I don't think many people will know that, but that's the question for this episode for trivia. A couple of notes I got about Super Bowl stuff coming up. Um, I don't have them all listed down, but there was, there's been eight different quarterbacks who've won Super Bowls, almost had baseball careers. Uh, oh, John really? Elway off the top of my head. John Elway was one. Um, Matt Castle was – Matt Castle's actually in the 1994 Little League World Series. Um, there's a list of other quarterbacks who could have played baseball. But the two that are in this weekend, Patrick Mahomes, when he was in high school, was drafted by the Detroit Tigers. And Tom Brady was actually drafted and uh, had a little minor league stint with the Expos. He did. I didn't know that. So what the Expos. Been? Really? Tom and, Brady. Uh, the GOAT. If you kind of do the math, I wonder if you know him and Randy Johnson could have been on the same team with the Expos. What a but Pedro last Guerrero. Yeah, big, big, big man. Um, we mentioned three gopher players who were playing the Super Bowl last week. Forgot to mention we do have uh, three guys in the Super Bowl that are Minnesota high school graduates, um, and they all play for Tampa Bay. Again, Johnson, like we mentioned last week, he went to the U. He graduated from Minneapolis Community or North Community in Minneapolis, 2016, wide receiver. Um, at tackle, Joe Haig from Brainerd, graduated Brainerd at 11, and also went to NDSU. So it's a double dip there. Bison and a warrior, now playing for the Buccaneers. Then Jack Cincy, who's a, went to Hill Murray, Hill Murray High School, graduated in 2013. He's a backup inside linebacker. You'll see some uh, Minnesota names there a little bit. Um, let's just talk about the elephant in the room, our picks for the, for the big game. Um, I'm not one to uh, shy away from outside the box. I got Kansas City winning 35-17. Okay. I've got the Tampa Bay Bucks winning the game. 27-24 on their home everybody, field. Everybody has the most close games. I got Kansas City winning by 18. Throwing it out there. Could be the case. I wouldn't be surprised with that at all. No, never know. We'll have to see. 
But get to uh, the regular format of the show. We'll start with some high school rankings here. Okay. Uh, most of our rankings do come from Max Prep Sports on their uh, website. Um, they do it all best based on analytics. They do do uh, overall state rankings then by class. One thing they also have is their national rankings for the high school. And for boys basketball national, coming in at number seven is Minnehaha Academy nationally, number seven according to the Max Preps. Uh, for the states overall, we got Minnehaha Academy first, Caledonia second, and Breckenridge third. Class A, uh, Nevis is first. Uh, Class AA, Caledonia. Class AAA, Minnehaha Academy in Minneapolis. And in 4A is Chaska. Uh, for the girls, state overall, top three, they got Hopkins, Belgrade, and Minnetonka. Uh, the class breaks down, breakdowns are Class A is Belgrade. Class 2A is Virginia, with Glencoe Silver Lake coming in second. 3A is Wilmer. And 4A is Hopkins, with Minnetonka second, Robbinsdale Cooper number three. Uh, volleyball, statewide, Wyzetta, Miniota, and Monticello. Uh, class breakdowns are Class A is Miniota, 2A is Stewartville, and 3A is Wyzetta, with Monticello coming in second there. Uh, the rest of these are going to be based off the Star Tribune, the Minnesota, Preps, Minnesota Prep section. Boys hockey, 2A. These are as of January 27th. Uh, so the last games were as earlier in the week. So if games have been played this weekend, things could have changed. Uh, 2A, top three, we got Maple Grove, Vanille St. Margaret, and St. Thomas Academy third. And 1A is Hermantown, Gentry, and Warro. Not a big shocker seeing those three names up there. Girls hockey, 2A, Andover, Edina, and Minnetonka. Top three. 1A is Warro, Chisago Lakes, and Breck. Uh, state wrestling, based off the, uh, the websites here, a uh, couple names, Class 3A, Stillwater, Shakopee, St. Michael, Albertville, uh, Laconia coming in seventh, and Bemidji eighth. Class 2A, Assembly, Cass and Mountainville, and Detroit Lakes. With uh, Tri-County United coming in 11th, and uh, Scott West at number 12. 1A. Long Prairie Gray Eagle, Browerville, number one. Uh, Atwater, two. So those are some good names up there. Um, also on the site um, from openmat.com, they have 11 Minnesota wrestlers are in top 10 nationally in their weight classes. Uh, the 106-pound class, Tyler Wells from Princeton is at number three. At the 113 weight, Jor Volk of Lakeville North, is number six, and Blake West of Shakopee at number 10. Uh, 132 pound, Derek Cardinal, Forest Lake, number nine. 138, Reed Ballantrine of Stillwater at five. 152 pound, Ryan Skoll of Simile, number three, and Kyle Swanson, Swanson, I'm sorry, of Wyzetta, number eight. 160 pound, we got Hunter Linden of Stillwater, number seven. 182, Bennett Berg of Casson Mountainville, number 10. 195, Gavin Nelson of Simley, number 7. And 220, Bennett Tabor of Simley, number 5. So, a lot of congratulations. Those guys make the national list. 
or high school wrestling. Hmm. So, uh, NCAA rankings. Again, these were earlier in the week. We're doing this on Saturday nights. So some games have been played. We'll see how it goes. Uh, boys basketball, or men's basketball, as they say now in college. Not boys. Uh, it is Gonzaga, Baylor, and Villanova, one, two, three. Women's basketball, Stanford, UConn, and South Carolina. Uh, men's gymnastics, Oklahoma, Michigan, and Ohio State, with Minnesota coming in seventh. Women's gymnastics, Florida, LSU, and Utah, with Minnesota at 11. Uh, men's hockey, uh, a lot of changes coming this weekend on this too. Uh, There's a lot of close standings. We'll see how it goes. Men's hockey, we got Boston College 1, Minnesota 2, North Dakota 3. Bemidji stayed at 18. The Beavers made the, the cut there. Women's hockey, we got Cornell 1, Wisconsin 2, Northwestern 3, Minnesota 4. Wrestling, no change here. Iowa 1, Michigan 2, North Carolina State 3, Minnesota coming in at 13. Uh, volleyball, Wisconsin 1st, Texas 2nd, Kentucky 3rd, the Gophers coming at 6th. Um, our schedule is coming up this week weekend. I, I, I figured these out on Thursday, so some games have been played, so I'll update as we go along. Gophers are currently 11-7. and seven. They lost to Rutgers the other day. Uh, their next game is Monday against Nebraska, then the 11th uh, Purdue here also at home. Women's basketball, 5-8. and eight. They were supposed to have a game uh, the 4th against Michigan. That was postponed. So our next game is Monday with Ohio, the Ohio State. Then Illinois at uh, Williams. Men's hockey. 15-4, uh, and four. they lost yesterday to Wisconsin, and they're playing tonight. I do not have a score. Uh, I think they just started about a half hour. Women's hockey, 9-5, 9-5. Nine nine they lost 3-4 to four Wisconsin yesterday in overtime and are playing again tonight. Men's gymnastics, 0-1, and, and they have a meet tonight against the Ohio State. Women's gymnastics fell to 2-2. Two and two. They lost to Iowa earlier today. A score of 196.375 to 196.8. Very, I don't know how much closer you can get than that. Uh, very close. Wrestling, 5-2. and two. Uh, Gopher men uh, were victorious yesterday against Illinois, 25-13. to uh, Their next match is February 12th against Wisconsin. Volleyball, 5-0. and oh. uh, with a win yesterday, three to two over Purdue, and they got uh, them again today. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Bison or not Bison? I'm sorry. Bemidji updates: men's basketball improved to four and eight with a sweep this weekend of Colorado, um, not Colorado, St. Cloud State, uh, 88-78 and 87-67. So Beavers men's getting on track. Gals got swept by St. Cloud State this weekend. It dropped a seven and three. They uh, lost a uh, 65-42 and 57-53. A uh, men's hockey for the Beavers. Uh, a 3-3 tie, but lost in the shootout. They dropped their record to 6-4-3 against Ferris State, and then their other game against Ferris is tonight. The women's hockey were off this week. They play next weekend against Wisconsin, so that could be a tough one for the girls there. Um, that's what I got for the college sports right now and their schedules. Uh, some other stuff I got coming up right now is the Australian Open for tennis. 
Uh, it was supposed to get started, but players and staff are isolated after one positive test of COVID-19. Um, I know with the World Cup going on for soccer, they kind of got everybody isolated or you know, bubbled, I guess is the term we use now. Some of these tennis events, I mean, golf made it through the summer pretty much COVID-free in a way. Never heard a lot of big names get shutting them down. Um, Australian Open and the French Open, Wimbledon. I think they're going to kind of use the Australian Open as a sample, see how it works. What did we do wrong? You'll see that for the French Open. Because you're not just going from Texas to Colorado, Pennsylvania. You're going from Australia to France to England. So it's going to be a little harder to keep these guys and gals, you know, in check. But we'll see how it goes. So the Australian Open, those of you who follow tennis, might be a little tweaked on that. But they're kind of working it out this week. But I'm pretty sure they'll get it done. Um, baseball news. I got a couple news notes here. Um, the Angels, California Angels, have suspended ex-manager, ex-Mets manager Mickey Holloway after five women accused him of aggressive, lewd advances. Um, when Mickey was with the Mets, when he interviewed for the job a few years ago, some of these allegations had come up. The Mets did their own internal investigation like most teams do when they have these allegations. And they found nothing to be of uh, alarming to them in the situation. Now, were they looking at blind acts? I wanted to get a guy. Was it a he said, she said, and they're just a baseball team. They're not the court of law, so they're not going to dig into it. So it's kind of let it go. Well, I guess more have opened up now. The Angels have let him go or suspended him. We'll see how that all works out. We talked about it last week with the Mets front office guys where they said, pictures to people on their texts and that. I don't know what it is with celebrities in general. I don't care if you're a movie actor or baseball player or singer or whatever. If they think they can get away with it or if just what? I, I, I don't know. But uh, maybe there's since there are celebrity more people are looking into it. I just hope Mickey, if he gets this cleared up one way or the other, if he did do it, then pay your price and go on not let's clear it up clear his name and go so we'll see how that goes uh wcha women's hockey has announced their 2021 final faceoff. so it kind of be uh four team you know regular bracket one against four two against three uh they call it the final faceoff this year and it's uh it's gonna be in bloomington uh the first games will be held the sixth and seventh at ritter then a couple days after that, the championship game. Flow Hockey TV, F-L-O Hockey.TV will have the games. Interested into watching that. Um, I'm going to get – we started this last week, a bit where we call my soapbox, Andy's soapbox. Here we go. Here's my soapbox. A guy I watch a lot on Fox News, uh, Marcellus Wiley. Uh, speak for yourself is this show on FS1. And he kind of had a good point this week, applauding him. I agree with what he says, and I'm going to kind of elaborate a little more my point of view on it. Marcellus Wiley called for separate transgender category in school sports after the Biden order. Uh, Marcellus basically said, in a quote, he says, as a father of three daughters, a husband of a former collegiate athlete, this hits home in a special way. It's time to create a separate transgender category 
to for competition. He lists one example here of uh, what's well, the guy that person Craig Teffler, uh, men's track, 2016, he was ranked 200. 2017, he was ranked 390. 2018, transition to a female. 2019, wins the national championship. This was one case, maybe not saying all transgenders turn around and win the championship in the other sport. But here's a perfect example. Guy goes from number 390 to two years later, win the national championship as the other sex. Um, does transgender need to be its own category? Not maybe right away, but it is something we got to look at, I think. Um, I feel bad for these other kids in the sports where this is happening to them. It's kind of like bringing in a ringer. You're on the junior high, high school team, but, oh, well, Timmy, who's 19, never finished seventh grade biology, so he's going to be on the junior high team this year. You know, is it kind of that way? Kind of, you know? But um, should the transgenders be able to play in the high school sports? Sure. I got nothing against that. But let's make it an even playing field, though, too. Um, we used to kid around, I know, our, our age group, our genre, used to kid around about the East German women's weightlifting team, you know. They had a better beer than the hockey players, you know. Okay, that was just kind of a those standard joke back then, ha, ha, ha. Well, now it's kind of becoming real. Um, there's got to be some kind of, I don't know how they could level the playing field. They give them their own category. They have to, like when you transfer schools in college, okay, you got to be this sex for two years first before you participate. I don't know. Something I think needs to be done to kind of make it fair for everybody. Because to a point, what fun is it to come in and walk away with a championship like that? I, I, I'm glad my kids aren't in high school sports anymore. They have to handle this and deal with this. Because I'm pretty sure I'd be sounding off differently. But uh, my son played soccer for a little bit. My daughter was in dance. I don't see it being an issue in dance. Um, not saying guys don't dance, but I'm just saying that's pretty level right there anyway. Uh, when she danced competition in the studios, there was guys who danced there, and that was fine. That was one sport where they were pretty even anyway, so couldn't have been an issue. Sports, Some sports like soccer, and that one, we've even talked about it. If a woman wants to play professional football, Go ahead. I got no problem with that. Um, or baseball or basketball. They want to mix in and play with the boys. Fine. But when you're the transgender like this, okay, that's something different now. You're kind of, that's not the same. Um, but again, I'm pretty sure you hear a lot more former athletes are going to speak up, I think, who have the kids in school. They have a little more of a platform on it to say something. Good, bad, or indifferent. So I'm kind of curious to see how other guys come out with their opinion on this. Um, you don't hear it happening in the men's sports too much, though, because, again, it's just a biology thing. Well, it sounded like Ben Shapiro here. It's a biology thing. You're not going to see a lot of girls wanting to be boys all of a sudden walk with winning the shop with, okay? Not saying they can't. Just saying I don't think that's going to be a big story. It's going to be the ones like this one with this case here where it was a track event. Pretty big difference there for what happened at high school. When you get older, you look at the Olympics, 
watch the Olympics if they have them this year or next, whenever that comes around. Yeah, the scores are different for that as the professional athletes. So let's kind of see how that works as they get older. There's something to watch for there. I'll get off my soapbox on that now. Um, that's what I got. I got a couple of notes here. Um, Trevor Bauer did not sign with the Mets. Um, as a Mets fan, I'm, o- I'm okay with it. I wanted him to sign, but I was really nervous if he did. Like, uh-oh, we got all the big names here. Uh-oh. Yes. He went to the Dodgers. Now, here's one thing the Dodgers have that not many teams have ever had. On their roster, they got three former Cy Young Award winners. Okay. Trevor, who just got it last year. Kershaw. And the one everybody forgets about, because he sat out last year with COVID, David Price. Yes. So they got three former Cy Young Award winners. And it's not that they got some guy who's at the end of his 35-year career and one at a year, his first year. They're all recent Cy Young Award winners. So they got some good talent there. Um, a lot of pressure on that Dodger staff. But uh, Trevor is from Southern California. The Mets did offer him more money. What do you want to be done? Which is fine. Uh, the, Dod- the contract at the Dodgers is front-loaded. He's getting $40 million this year, 45 next year. Of his $40 million this year, he'll be making more than the Cleveland Indians payroll of $36.5 million, Pittsburgh Pirates payroll of $37.7 million, and Baltimore's payroll of $39.1 million. So there's one guy who's going to be making more than three teams. Wow. Does baseball need to do more salary cap stuff to level it out like football does? I don't know. I I, I don't know how that would work for baseball if they did, they did that. You couldn't change it overnight, of course. It had to be a, okay, in the next five years, we need to scale this back to profit share, which in a way, baseball does have that. These teams just get fined a big fine for it. When you're a team like the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Mets, the Red Sox, you got that bankroll to do that. So that's it, really not hurting them. Wait a minute. If I sign a more expensive player, I just got to pay a fee for it? Okay. And that's what they're doing. But do you have any baseball news, sir, before I get to my event of the week? I've got the Twins updates. Uh, Major League Baseball, Minnesota Twins, a lot of signings and things here in the last week that I'll update the listeners with today. So, Twins re-signed Nelson Cruz one year to be the DH with an option for the following year, I think, to, to sign him again. Um, he was the one thing there they, they didn't – I think they, they were wondering what to do with, with, with there. They've got a lot of guys that can play uh, potentially the DH this year and fill that role. And now for $13 million, they're bringing Nelson Cruz only to do that, and he is – mainly, I think, from a chemistry of the team, the clubhouse, the leadership, the veteran, and the young guys looking up to him as a role model is, is mainly the reason they brought him in. Yes, he's old, but he's in fantastic shape. He can hit the ball, crush the ball. But I think it's the, what he's also bringing to the clubhouse is, is what they're going to do with, with him. Now, also this week, Alex Colomay, Twins sign, big name. Ian Hamilton, just today, Ian Hamilton and Sean Anderson, uh, two lesser known names, but relievers. Uh, Hamilton for the Phillies. I think Anderson from the, from the White Sox. Or no, he's from the Giants. The Giants. Giants. 
And so we got some really beefed up uh, middle to late relief. And now there's even a question with the closer. You know, you got uh, who's going to be officially the closer. Twins are really beefing up in the uh, reliever roles. Now, who they got rid of for the Giants and that trade was Lamont Wade Jr. Lamont Wade Jr., formerly a ninth-round pick, center fielder, a speedy guy in the outfield. Twins really don't have that much need in the outfield. They're, they're pretty pretty good with some depth there. He plays a lot, a lot last year as a backup first baseman behind Sano, kind of a smaller guy playing first. Don't know if that role suited him. He wasn't going to be getting much time in the outfield with the Twins being so heavily uh, in depth there. So they moved him off, and I think Lamont Wade Jr. could move into a starting role there with the Giants already this year. Uh, so I think it's going to work out actually better for him. I followed him when, when he came up with the Twins, and I really liked uh, Wade Jr., but I don't think that's going to work out. I think the Twins got a good move to move him out. We no longer have a backup first baseman, but we've got guys like Travis Blankenhorn and Luis Arise, and you know who else uh, can, can possibly yeah. backfill there, but I think it's a low, low priority. Sano will be pretty much the everyday starter. I believe. So we've got some good pitching. Now I think Odorizzi, we still don't have the answer on him yet, which could come now this week. And Twins are kind of lacking for cap space now uh, with the salary with all these big, big names that we got. So that'll be interesting, but I think they're getting close. Now, Andy, just to let you know, three weeks from tonight, the Twins play exhibition against the Tampa Bay Rays. Game one of the spring training. Three weeks from tonight. So the countdown will be on. Uh, you've been mentioning February 14th. Is that pitchers, catchers report? Or is that the yeah, rest? Yeah, pitchers, catchers start. Pitchers, not catchers. for teams, but some. But that week. So they're we're already. This is. We're going to get hot and heavy here in the next couple of weeks with baseball. Uh, rosters getting finalized. People packing up for, for spring training and heading down. Now, I've also got college basketball. I've been following UConn Huskies women's uh, this year. A lot of the posts on our Facebook page is uh, is coming from from me after following Paige Becker's the number one recruit in the entire country last year she went to UConn as a true freshman not a redshirt she is starting and now putting up some pretty decent numbers and statistics and everything else and so it's not look looking like it's not going to slowly phase her in to get part of the program there uh, she's an everyday starter and actually the team leader right now in her freshman year it's almost unbelievable to watch uh, when you get a chance for the listeners out there, many times I'll post links to those games or to the, the viewing for the highlights or the actual games themselves. Try to watch, even if it's just a first half or a second half, watch for Becker's number five in a Husky uniform. It's almost amazing to watch uh, someone here. She came out of Hopkins as a number one recruit in the nation, graduated last year from Hopkins. Now, switching gears, Hopkins, who's been also huge for for – recruits they didn't drop off after losing Paige Beckers this year they they have a starting five get get this they're starting five they have two juniors that are ranked number one in the state of Minnesota for girls basketball and number three in the state of Minnesota for girls basketball as juniors they've got two sophomores that are ranked in the top five currently number two in the state of Minnesota and number three in the state of Minnesota for sophomores in the state of Minnesota. And those are sophomores. They've got a freshman ranked number two in the state. The second best freshman right now for the class of 2024 is on Hopkins. 
five of their their starting five. There have been no seniors this year that are even ranked, but their entire starting five of underclassmen are top five in the state of Minnesota. So talk about a whole nother level. So watch those guys as well. Anytime you get a chance when you listen to Andy's rankings, watch out for Hopkins, girls basketball Hopkins. Uh, they're just unbelievably talented and depth and the depth of how far deep they go. And those guys are all going on now to D1 colleges in the future. But uh, that's all I've got for sports. You know, get back to the Wade Jr. thing you're talking about. I think when they inked Cruz, that kind of sealed his fate. Because Cruz is going to be that player manager, unofficial player manager. He's going to take snow under his wing. He's going to help keep him, not keep him in check because he's a wild child type thing, but here's how the Major League Baseball works. Here's how you be a professional, you know, things like that. Here's how you get out of a slump. Here's how you, you know, don't get out of a slump, you know. Because uh, that's where Cruz is going to be real big, I think. He's going to be able to help be that player manager for not only Sonoma, but some of the other younger players coming up. And that's the thing we need to keep a veteran. You look at the two years the Twins won it. You had to get that veteran to get him in there. What was it, 87? We got Don Baylor at the end of the year just kind of rallying the boys. Hey, I've been in the playoffs. Here's how it works, you know. Um, excuse me. Chili Davis was a nice – we got Chili Davis. Don't bring your glove, Chili. You're going to be our everyday DH. I think that's kind of what the Twins are looking for the last few years. They've had Nelson Cruz. You're our DH. Don't bring a glove. Don't just throw it away. Don't pack it. Nothing. You're not going to need one. And that helps. That's going to help the team that's come up to the lineup. Nelson could get most of his games in this year playing just DH. Um, Snow will probably fill in for him at DH his days off just to keep his bats going. Like I said, we got – Backup first baseman by committee on our team. So we'll be okay there. And, and remember, we still have Josh Donaldson playing third, who didn't have a particularly good year last year with on and off right. injuries. But he's a former American League MVP. Right. Home run hitter. Uh, once he gets going, he's going to be good as well. And then down the road, because we signed him for four years, this is his second year in the four-year deal. Uh, he'll be playing third base for sure. But either in the next two years, if they need to, when, when Nelson Cruz uh, rolls off, there could be your everyday DH right there. You got Donaldson to play third base or DH. Uh, so you've got some, you got the next four years kind of locked up, I think, next three years, I should say, at the DH position. So Twins will be fun to watch this year. Lots of good starting pitching, lots of middle relief and late late pitching in the in the bullpen. And defensively, they're saying the Twins could be one of the top, top teams in the entire Major League Baseball from a defensive position uh, category. I've seen them in a lot of reports pick to win the division again. So okay. we'll see how that goes. Well, three weeks from tonight, we'll have our first update on our first results of spring training. Games begin. League. Yes. Cactus League in Arizona, grapefruit in Florida. Should I go the on event? to the trivia question? Yes, before I do the event, trivia answer. Trivia answer. Question was Tampa Bay Bucks came into the league in the NFL as an expansion team in 1976. They played all their years subsequent in the NFC, either the Central or now the NFC South. But the question was, what was what league and division were they in the conference the very first year they came in? The Buccaneers were in the AFC West. The AFC West for the Buccaneers. I don't think anyone would have gotten that right. In fact, that surprised me myself because I did not know they played their first year in the AFC West traveling cross country for every conference and divisional 
away game uh, across the country. So then they got situated more into the NFC. Now they're in the South where they belong, belong. But I did not know that 1976, they were in the AFC West. That's all I've got for the trivia. Remember when I was younger, then the Atlanta Falcons used to be in the NFC West. Oh, I think they were also as well. That was Back another. Yep. And, and then, yep. Yeah, the Falcons were another team like that. And then they got things lined up with the realignment. And Tampa was in the north, so it was fun yeah. watching Tampa and their Tampa uniforms come to the and it's sort of cold. In the, yes, the north, yeah. But was the was, central originally? Yes, right. Yeah, the central. Which was funny. The Bears, Vikings, and Packers always played down in Tampa early in the year, but Tampa had to come up here in December all the time. It's like, <laughs> that's not fair. Anyway, so that's, what I got for, that's what I got for sports. Do you have an uh, event of the week coming up? Yes. Um, as we're recording this Saturday, Saturday marks uh, Duke, North Carolina game for men's basketball. The first time, this will be the first time these two teams have met since February 27th of 1960, where neither one were ranked. Oh, really? So. 1960. February, yeah. So, um, the Carolina-Duke rivalry, as they call it, um, it's been going on for years. Tobacco Road is a, the road they call between the two schools there back and forth. Uh, it started, their first meeting was January 24th, 1920. North Carolina won that game 36-25 uh, to 25 against Duke or Trinity College. Uh, they've met 252 times. Carolina um, leads the series all time, 139 to 114. Uh, largest margin of victory for both teams. Uh, North Carolina's largest margin of victory is 37 points back in 1921. And Duke's by 35 points. That was back in 1964. So since 64, they're pretty close. Uh, the longest winning streak was Carolina of 16 games, 1921 to 28. The current winning streak going into tonight, Duke with three games. Um, the two teams have won – one of the two are almost always in the Final Four, it feels like, for basketball the last 15 years. Uh, the two teams who have never met in the NCAA tournament, oddly enough. Um, the closest uh, – they didn't meet in 1971 in the NIT in a game there. Carolina won that 73-67 at Madison Square Garden. In 1991, it was close – North Carolina and Duke were both in the Final Four, different sides. They could have met the championship game. But North Carolina lost to Kansas, who was coached by Roy Williams, who's now North Carolina's coach. So a little fun there. Um, it's always been a fun rivalry watching those two. If uh, you follow college basketball, you see other two play. You got two schools that are that close to each other. How can you not have a rivalry, first of all? Um, we've all had, they've all had their ups and downs years, but uh, Duke for a while in the 90s, the Final Four was almost referred to as the Duke Invitational, it seemed like. Um, and the few times they didn't make it, North Carolina did. Uh, the games they have, the coaches have always gotten along real well because you have to. When you're that close, you're all this other stuff. Uh, the players have a friendly rivalry. You've always heard them say, oh, I don't want to watch North Carolina guys say they like it when Duke loses and Duke likes it when North Carolina loses. 
like any rivalry. Um, I don't think it's as bad as the Michigan Ohio State football rivalry. When it, you know, as far as uh, uh, friendships off the field, I think these basketball players can tolerate each other off the court. I've heard a lot of Michigan Ohio State football players. No, you don't go hang out with a Buckeye if you're a Wolverine. Football's a different animal when you got a rivalry. Basketball, you can tolerate them. You just don't admit it. You know, um, I've always been a – I'm a North Carolina fan, but I'm more an anti-Duke guy than anything else. Because um, when I started following college basketball, late 80s, early 90s, Kentucky was the big schools. North Carolina, Duke, were the, they were the big, the big three, you know. Um, and I've always liked the, the old Big East Conference with St. John's and Georgetown, Villanova, those schools. East Coast basketball has always been a favorite of mine. Um, I think everybody goes, well, why don't you like Duke? You just don't like Duke because they win all the time. No, that's not why I don't like Duke. When I first started watching, really studying college basketball, end of high school, early college. Bobby Hurley and Christian Leighton are the reason I can't stand Duke. I just, I couldn't stand those two. Just something about them, especially Bobby Hurley. Man, I just, he just rubbed me wrong. I just, something about that, I, I just couldn't stand him. And then when the Timberwolves drafted Leitner, great. They put Leitner on the dream team. He sits on the bench the whole time and brags that he's got a gold medal. He comes here and tries to grow his hair long and looked like a freak doing that. I just never got into Leitner. I'm not saying he wasn't a good player. He was a great college player, don't get me wrong. I just never liked him. And that's the thing people forget. You say, oh, I don't like that guy. How can you say he's not good? And I never said he wasn't a good player. I just didn't like him. You know, um, Grayson Allen for the uh, Duke a few years ago, too. Taking dives all the time. That I just ain't got time for that. Not saying he was a good player, just not my style. Uh, I've seen the Leitner movie or documentary on ESPN a couple years ago about him. Yeah, good player, just wasn't my cup of tea. Uh, Dean Smith, Smith, when he was with North Carolina, him, Krzyzewski, had a great rivalry going. Roy Williams was keep that up. Great rivalry. Um, those are the two teams you could see play. They're both, neither one are ranked right now, but you know what? That's still going to be probably the most popular game to watch right now this weekend for ratings because of the history. You ask any Minnesota Vikings fan. The Vikings went 2-14, and 14 and both wins were against Green Bay. Successful year. You know, a lot of so, – Duke North Carolina, you only, you only won a couple games this year. They're both against Duke, so it's a good year. You know, that's a rivalry. Um, and college sports is losing some of that with teams going to super conferences and TV getting in the way of cutting down conference games. I mean, the Big Ten has 14 teams. That doesn't mean we're going to play Wisconsin every year. Now. So you're kind of losing some rivalries. Um, some conferences do make exceptions, like Duke, North Carolina. I don't care how many teams are in that conference, the ACC. Those two will play each other a couple times. You just – you have to. Um, Michigan and Ohio State don't always play, which is kind of wrong. They should make sure that game happens every year. That's how you keep the sport strong. That's how you keep your conference strong. And it can only help recruiting because if it's a big rivalry like that's on TV all the time, Free recruiting, free free advertisement for your college, you know. 
that's it. Uh, that's my event of the week, the rivalry game, North Carolina Duke, and just rivalry games in general. I think that's what we watch. Yeah, so that's what I tonight, got. The game tonight that they're playing is 61 years since the last time they've played each other when neither team has been ranked in the national top 25. Wow. Yep. Unreal. I mean, one may have been ranked and the other wasn't, but both not ranked at the same time. Did not know that. <clears throat> it goes back. Uh, what we've got we next is for the album of the week this week here on Sports and Songs is Joe Walsh, the album 1978's But Seriously, Folks. Fourth studio album. You may remember it by this. There he is. Joe Walsh is a fourth studio album by American singer-songwriter Joe Walsh. The album was released in mid-1978 on the label Asylum. It included this sat satirical song, Life's Been Good. Ends up being uh, Joe Walsh's biggest hit as a solo, peaking at number 12 on the Billboard 100. In a contemporary re review for The Village Voice, Robert Christgau wrote that Although Walsh has a gift for tuneful guitar schlock, most of the album songs fall far short of the irreverent shock and jive of Life's Been Good. In retrospective review, All Music's Al Campbell said that the album is Joe Walsh's most insightful and melodic and captures a reflective song cycle along the same thematic lines of pet sounds for the early 1970s. Once again, produced by Joe Walsh, released on May, 7, May 16th, 1978. Here's a track listing. Song one, over and over. Song two, secondhand story, you may have heard that one. And song three, you may have heard Indian Summer. Song four, At the Station. Song five is Tomorrow. Song six, Inner Tube. Song seven's title is Theme from Boat Weirdos. And song eight, Life's Been Good. That's a longer song. It's an eight-minute version of that. Uh, total album, 36 minutes, 14 seconds. Here's the personnel. Joe Walsh, vocals and guitars and synthesizer. Joe Vitale, drums, percussion. Jay Ferguson, keyboards. Willie Weeks, bass. And Joey Merkia Mer Mer plays the second guitar. So the Eagles is where this group mainly comes, comes from that was formed in the early 70s. Uh, Joe Walsh joined the Eagles in 1976. This album came out in 78, so he's overlapping. He did include the other four Eagles band members on this album in, as guests on various songs, backing vocals, whatnot. They're all on there, the Eagles guys. Now, we had a little bit of this talk last week, but... The Eagles were one of those bands in the early 70s that were actually considered more classic country, country rock. Right. Country, country music, actually. And then they bring in guitarist Joe Walsh in 1976 to give it more of a uh, rock, rock and roll. Uh, not hard rock, but harder edge. So Joe Walsh took the Eagles to that next level. Uh, after that, there was a lot of infighting with the band and the group. Uh, because of that, many of the original the, the founders wanted it to keep, remain country focused. But Joe Walsh was kind of the, 
the, the wild guy in the group, they brought him on board and then changed the flavor and got into some really good songs. But the album, once again, just to fold it out. Nice. And then the inside. 1978, Joe Walsh. It went platinum. And, and I didn't know that this was his fourth solo work. He, he was active in the late 60s, early 70s doing solo, uh, doing solo work, and then finally got in in 1976 with the Eagles. But this was his fourth studio album. Uh, once again, we'll always take recommendations and suggestions in the comments section or on our Facebook page or Twitter for upcoming reviews. Uh, this one was Joe Walsh, but seriously, folks, little humor there. Yeah, yep. the album cover and the satirical humor of life's been good to me so far. Any comments on that one, Andy? No, I just remember that's a good song. Um, years ago on the Eagles first reunion tour, Hell Freezes Over, he does that one live. That was pretty good. Um, I've always kind of liked Joe Walsh's music. It's good. Listening to the car type music, like we've co I've covered before on some songs, um, and Joe Walsh was always kind of that was just him. I think that's what I kind of liked about him. He wasn't; he's just one of the guys. Um, posted a video on our Facebook page beforehand of his cameo on the Drew Carey show years ago. That was just who he was. You know, he just he played that type of guy. Just wants to play guitar, have fun. I think Joe Walsh was probably my favorite Eagles member. Just because he was the other guy. There's Glenn Fryan and Don Hanley. And Don was flying off to go see, you know, Stevie Nicks with Fleetwood Mac all the time because they had a thing going. It's like, stay with one band. You know, I, I think things like that caused trouble with the Eagles. They all split up and, oh, we'll never get back together. And money talks, and they did years later, you know. But uh, I think they uh, they were a good band, Eagles. They're, like I said, there's been a country Artists got together and redid a whole bunch of Eagles songs that we've talked about because they kind of were a country song. Yep. You know, kind of a, I kind of say they were a country song, kind of like I'd say Tom Petty was a country song. Tom Petty was a little more rock and roll, but he was at Southern Rock. The Eagles kind of wanted to be Southern Rock, but they were kind of like a California Southern Rock, you know, a little different spin on it. So never, took uh, a lot of their songs did chart both rock and country so good for them on that i think of uh, southern rock and i think of uh you know uh, uh leonard skinner you know you think of your skinner? country southern rock now we also have a news note concerts and updates the heartless uh band is playing at the medina that concert was moved to friday night april 9th uh, change of date. It was February 26th. So change your calendars for those going to see that band. Uh, it's now April 9th, also a Friday night. Uh, same feature act as well, but that one did get did get moved. I got an email on that with an update. So that's all I've got for for music and, and notes this week. Anything else for the episode? I do have some more, more concerts. Speaking at Medina on the 27th, new day for Uncle Chuck with the Atomic Playboys. Yeah. March 19th, Coco Montoya and Ronnie Baker Brooks, Friday, March 19th. Uh, like you said, April 9th, the Arena Rocks with Heartless. 
That following week, April 16th, Thunderstruck, America's ACDC tribute band. I follow them on Facebook. They usually play a lot of outside venues too, so they got the cannons and everything else like ACDC does. So that should be a really good show. Kind of condensed down from Medina, but that should be a good show. Uh, April 17th, Church of Cash will be playing at Medina. The 24th is the Shalo Lee Band. Um, not to make any fun, also Medina on Thursdays is Psychic Ruth Lordorn. So if you are in the Psychic Greetings, go see Ruth. Uh, March 26th at First Avenue Dragon Force will be playing there. Um, I've heard a couple of their things off 93X. I've listened to some of their songs. They're okay. So just give Dragon Force a listen if you're, that's kind of your cup of tea. March 26th, they'll be at First Avenue. That's what I got for concerts, sir. Uh, hopefully now a lot of this comes up. The weather gets warmer, we'll get some more concerts coming in. Um, things loosen up health-wise in our country. Um, for whatever reason, it gets better. We'll hopefully we get more stuff going. Spring comes. We'll get some outdoor concerts, maybe at the casinos again, or bigger shows out at festivals. We'll see what happens. Awesome. That's all I've got. Today is February 6th. This is season two, episode number 11. Thanks again, everyone, for listening in. See ya.